0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated educated entertained and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. All right. What's up people? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host John Hutsmith and welcome to the show. If y'all want to know how I know when hunting season is getting close, the last couple years, there's always been a week like this where over the summer, it's hot. Nobody's really doing anything. Trying to come up with relevant content can be a little bit of a challenge. Getting people uh, scheduled can be a challenge. People are going on vacation and or they have kids at home and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden this week, I am suddenly just like overrun with podcast interviews episode interviews Uh, i did two last week i'm doing two this week i already have people waiting on me to reach out to him for the next couple weeks Uh, i will actually be hunting like two weeks from now so you know i'm sure i'll do an episode on that and so if y'all are wondering how close season is it's very, very close because things are very quickly ramping up. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm all for it. I, I'm i so ready. So ready. So got a decent amount to cover in the intro here. And then we got a really, really good episode for y'all this week that I'm very excited about. And so, yeah, we're going to kick things off. This last weekend, I made it to two hunting shows, actually. I took my daughter to both of them. My wife kind of had a, a busy weekend with work. And so loaded up my daughter, and on Saturday, we drove to Shawnee to the uh, Outdoor Nation Expo. Walked around that, got to meet a lot of old friends. Um, Amy with Primetime Taxidermy was there. Charles Greer with Whitetail uh, Land Consultants was there. Who else? Um, gosh, I know I'm forgetting people. I feel bad. If I left you out, my apologies. But met a whole lot of people. I uh, had a uh, hunter from Buck Ventures uh, that was on the show a few, uh, I don't know, probably two months ago, something like that. And uh but anyway, yeah, had a great time, got to see a lot of old friends, talked to a lot of people, uh got to push my daughter around in her unicorn stroller, so always a good time there. And then uh Sunday we uh went to church in the morning. After church, my wife had another meeting, and so I loaded up Hallie, and we drove down to Fort Worth to the Texas Trophy Hunters Association show. And, again, that was a really good one. Um, Oki, oh, man, Oki Hides, there you go, was there. Um, We've had them on the show. Um, And, uh, yeah, lots of other cool companies. I think I made a post a a few days ago about uh, the coolest product I saw out of all these hunting shows was actually a $20 stool from Redneck Blinds. It was like a round disc that was collapsible, kind of like an accordion style. And so very small. I'm going to say 10 inches maybe in diameter. Would fold up to about two inches thick and uh, very easy to put in a pack or something. When you get where you're going, pop it out. You got a stool. Um, I've been doing a lot more ground hunting the last, I don't know, two, three years, especially when I travel. Um, But I always like to take a stool with me because it's just so hard to shoot your bow sitting on the ground. So I have like your typical cheap tripod stool that comes like free with blinds or you can get them at Walmart. Um, So I usually carry that around with me. But of course, as you're sitting there, one leg always ends up like sinking into the ground. Then you're unlevel, you're trying not to fall over. So, anyway, I I, I didn't buy one, but I took a picture of it. I might have to order one. So, anyway, that went product of the year for me, which is kind of dumb because it's so simple and so easy. Um, But anyway, so had a really good time over the weekend. Uh, Been working this week and then this coming weekend. Really excited. Uh, my wife has given me an entire weekend to go to the ranch and do whatever I want. She's going to keep the baby and everything. She's getting ready to leave the country. Uh, I know I've talked about that. She's headed to Nepal on a mission trip, so you going to be praying for her. Uh, but anyway, because she's going to be go- gone for so long, she's kind of giving me this weekend as, you know, a, quote, break, uh, which, of course, I am using to go work out in the extreme heat. God, I think it's supposed to be like 107 on Saturday or something. Uh, but anyway, so I've actually, like, I'm I'm trying to be very efficient and, uh, and get everything done that I need to get done that I've kind of been putting off. And so I've actually... Come up with a, a list on my phone. I've laid out all my different spots, like all my different locations, and I've gone spot by spot, things I need to check on, things I need to do. Um, for instance, I have one location where my cell cam is struggling to send pictures. I had the same thing last year, and so I bought an antenna for it, and I'm going to take like a 2x4 or something and wire it up to where I can get you know, 10, 12 feet in the air or something, run the antenna up the pole, hopefully get better pictures from that camera. Um, I got some straps to replace. I've talked about that several times. One of my Banks blinds tipped over this summer in one of those, or I guess the spring in one of those bad storms. So I got to set it back up. Another one of my blinds is like reening, leaning real far forward. I know I've talked about that because the, the cows got back there last summer and, and rubbed on it and pushed the front legs out. Uh, so I need to level that up because I, if I would have had to shoot you know, my muzzleloader or my rifle out of that blind, it would have been very difficult because the window's just so low because the blind is leaning so far forward. So, so yeah, lots of stuff like that. Like I said, made a list. I, I'm hoping I have everything I need. I know at least one of my feeder motors is out, and I, I think I have one motor. So I'm really hoping that another one is not out. Uh, I don't know what it is. I need to figure, I need to like call them or something, but I, I go through feeder motors way faster than I should and I'm buying good high quality motors. I don't know if it's because I leave them running when they're empty. I don't know if it's because I turn them off uh, and and like, it'd be better to leave them running. So if any, anyway, if any of y'all have any tips, uh, reach out to me, Facebook or Instagram, let me know how y'all keep y'all's feeders in good shape, because that is something that I've not kept up with or not, not mastered. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Um, as far as like moving stuff around, I'm pretty well set. Like, I, I put a lot of effort into that last year. Um, you know, I got my feeders in good spots. I pinned all of them except for the one that I purposely leave unpinned. Uh, I got blinds. I got rifle setups. I got bow setups. Um, I'm like a pretty far, pretty well set up as far as all that goes. It's just kind of those nitpicky small things, you know, replacing straps, like I mentioned, uh, making sure I have bow hangers and all my tree stands, uh, making sure I, you know, have fresh batteries and cameras. Uh, I know I got an alert from uh, from one of my cell cams that the card was already getting full. Uh, oh, man, I, I wanted to make sure to cover this. Huge shout-out to Tacticam, not a partner of the show, but if anybody's listening from them, hit me up, because I love y'all's products, and I, and I, I have a lot of Tacticam cameras now. Uh, one of the coolest features that I just discovered this year, I'm pretty sure it's new this year, uh, from the app, you can obviously control the camera. You know, you can change like settings, times, all that good stuff, but that's not the cool part. One thing that I just discovered this summer is in the summertime, I get a ton of false triggers. Just the way the sun is up so high, the grass gets real tall and waves and the wind and all that stuff. So I get a ton of false triggers, and I was getting one one day, and I was just kind of playing around with the app. And and usually my solution for that is just turning the camera down to where it only takes a picture like once an hour. But then, you know, obviously when it gets dark and the deer start moving, you, you could miss pictures. But they have a new feature this year, where you can set the camera from the app to only work at like certain times from the day. Game changer. Game changer. My, my new favorite feature. And so what I did is I went in there and I'd set the camera to come on at 5 p.m. and then it shuts off at, I think I have it, 9 a.m. So basically that middle of the day when it's hot, the animals aren't really moving anyway, the camera doesn't take any pictures, no more, you know, 100 pictures of grass or uh, feeder reflecting or anything like that. And so huge shout out to Tacticam for that feature. Awesome feature. I love it. Um, as far as, you know, pictures and everything like that, still getting quite a few pictures. I, I, I haven't been up to the ranch in, gosh, a few weeks. And last time I was up there, I never even, I don't think I even went to the back uh, to check on the feeder or food plot and anything just because I didn't want to disturb it. And I'm trying to just, you know, leave it for the deer. Um, but I'm pretty sure that my food plots are pretty much toast at this point. Um, just like from the few daytime pictures I get, uh, I can't see many bean plants. Um, and I'm just getting less pictures on those cameras and everything. And so, you know, I think they did really good. Like, I, you know, they, they did really good. We just We haven't had like a measurable rain in like 60 days. And getting hammered the way they were getting hammered. I think they finally just got eaten up and, and couldn't recover, and so that's one of the things we're going to check on this weekend. Um, if that is the case, which I'm assuming it is, I think I'm basically going to just start over with a fall plot. I'm not going to try to save the beans or anything like that. If they're if they're still there, great. I'm not going to do anything to terminate them, uh, but most likely most likely they are already terminated. And so my plan is to just do a brand new fall plot. Um, we'll talk about that a little later uh, when that time comes. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's kind of what I'm thinking there. Um, feeders are still looking good, still getting lots of pictures. I have one buck for sure that I believe is going to be a target that I'm getting lots of pictures of. He, uh, I'm pretty sure he's been an eight point the last couple years. But this year, just with the spring rains and the food plots and the feeders and everything, he added uh, two more points. So he's now at 10 really big brow tines. Uh, his fours are kind of small, not, not a super high scoring deer, but a nice deer. And, and uh, he, lo- he looks very mature. And so he's on the list. I have a four year old buck that I am just praying does not step out in front of me within bow range. Cause he is really nice. Um, he's a nine point, he's basically a mainframe eight, but his G2 on one side has a huge split, A huge split. And he's just, he's, a big framey deer, not super high scoring like his other points aren't anything you know crazy. Um, but he's just a really nice deer. Um, so I'm going to do my best to pass that buck. Uh, I, I hope I don't have to make that decision. And then I have a stud of a three-year-old eight point that I thought was a mature deer. I thought it was this eight point that I saw during rifle last year that uh, I ended up passing. But after looking at a few, actually, I showed him to a buddy of mine, and I was like, yeah, look at this you know, deer. I'm hoping to kill him and stuff. He's like, man, that's a young deer. And I was like, no, no, like blah, blah. But when I got to looking closer at him, I think he's right. Just head, face, neck, body, like whatever, whatever criteria you want to use to judge this deer's age, it's just not there, which is good and bad. You know, it takes one off the hit list. Uh, but that deer, with another year or two, he's going to be something special. Even if he just stays at eight, he could be really, really cool. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of really the hit list so far. is just that one ten point. Um, I've not gotten any more pictures of the two percent buck. I'm, I'm very, like I started doubting myself. I can't remember if I talked about this last week or not. But I started doubting myself of whether I'd really gotten a picture of him or not because uh, I'd just gotten the one. But I went back. And there's just no denying. Like, it's definitely him. So, I don't know where in the world he's at. Uh, Apparently, he doesn't like soybeans or corn or protein feed or apple-flavored Big and J or whatever it might be. Uh, Because, I, yeah, I have several cameras running and have not got another picture of him. But, anyway, I feel fairly confident that come this fall he'll still be around somewhere because he's just there every year. So, Oh man, I feel like I'm missing something, but I've been uh, way into this intro already and I need to get going. So uh, so yeah, that's going to do it for this week's intro, I believe. Uh, this week we got a great episode, one that I've been wanting to do for a while. We are talking to Josh Jeffries of Habitat Solutions. And Josh is a really cool guy. I, I enjoyed getting to know him. We talked uh, off air quite a bit, but uh, you'll notice uh, quite an accent And uh, so Josh was actually born in Oklahoma. He was raised in southeastern Oklahoma. But then after uh, high school, he joined the military and moved to North Dakota for quite a long time. And so he has a very interesting accent, a little bit southern, a little bit northern. Um, You'll hear it. And uh, so I gave him a little bit of a hard time about it. But uh, no, but he's a really good guy. um, And he's very, very knowledgeable. So we cover all types of habitat stuff. We talk, uh, gosh, food plots, the importance of food plots. We talk food plots versus feeders. We talk water. We talk fire. Basically, just if you need something to grow mature whitetails, that's what we talk about. So so that's the show this week, Habitat Solutions. I hope y'all are ready. Stay tuned, like I said, because we have so much good content coming up And I can't wait to get to it. So that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll get into the episode right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey, everybody, welcome to today's show. And today we're talking to Josh Jeffrey. How you doing, Josh? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Is it Jeffrey or Jeffries? Jeffries. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure we got that clear before we get too far along. So. Well, cool, Josh. Well, we were, uh, we were talking before I hit record here, just how, uh, dadgum hot it is out there. And, uh, I have a feeling you're suffering just like the rest of us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Down here, we're down in Southeastern Texas and, mm. and it's our first year living down here, moving from North Dakota. And everybody down here is telling us that this isn't even normal. The heat that we're seeing it's, mm. uh, I think it's been 100 degrees plus since June 1st, and we haven't had no rain in probably 70 plus days. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's rough, especially, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, uh, North Dakota, I, 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 I know it's fairly dry, but I, I imagine it's probably not this dry.
1: Well, it comes in waves. We mm-hmm. experienced about four years of really bad drought up there, mm-hmm. but the heat, um, it's a different kind of a heat. And, It, um, it's not as long lasting, you know, you'll get some hot days, but it's, it's nothing like you experienced down here in the South.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. It's the wind that you got to watch for up there. Oh, I bet. It's always windy.
0: (laughs) I bet. Man. So I, I've been to South Dakota, North Dakota is one of the few States I haven't been to. Um, but my sister just moved to Nebraska, uh, about a year and a half ago. And I went up there and went turkey hunting this spring. And like, I, I was ready for the wind, you know, I've been in windy places, but one thing that kind of just got to me a little bit, so they they just built a house, and they built it up on this hill, you know, they have a beautiful view and everything, but mm-hmm. because they just built this house, they haven't had, they don't have a windbreak yet, you know, like they haven't planted the trees or anything, right. and it sounds like, like at all times during the day, it sounds like you're leaning your head up against a car window or something like the wind is just pounding that house all day long. And then the other thing that I I've been kind of keeping, So I'm I'm about to head up there at the end of this month to go deer hunting. And so I've been kind of trying to to track the wind a little bit just to kind of figure out like what the normal wind directions are and everything. And I I just haven't been able to figure out what the what the regular wind like. I mean, you go, you check every day. It's like morning, it's southwest, evening, it's north. The next day, it's like southeast. And then by the evening, it's southwest. Like, it's just all over the place all the time. Is that kind of how North Dakota is?
1: Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Nothing's consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the wind up there, like coming down here, we'd get, you know, like, I wouldn't, I think it was like a light breeze mm-hmm. and people down here are like, oh man, it's so windy. I was like, you don't know what wind is. Um, <laughs> we were used to 20 to 30 mile an hour daily. Mm-hmm. And then when it was really windy, anything to speak of, it was like, you know, 45 plus plus. and, you know, there's just the lack of trees, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of in that prairie region, it's always windy. So I don't miss that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, cool, man. Well, I feel like we could do a whole episode some other time on North Dakota. I'd, I'd love to pick your brain about that, but we're going to we're going to focus a little closer to home this time. So yep. uh, before yep. we go, before we go too much further, uh, why don't you real quick, just kind of introduce yourself and tell us all a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, um, I was born and raised um, in southeastern Oklahoma, um, right in Durant. And I uh, Right out of high school, I joined the military, and um, that ended up taking me to North Dakota. That's how I ended up up there. And I served in the military until 2013 I'm um, at two different bases in North Dakota and then traveled all over the world and um, nine deployments and got to see a lot of things and uh, finally called it, quit, got out, um, started a landscape company up there. And then that, that did really well. We started a bunch of other companies and one thing that I was always wanting to do is, um, you know, I've always been a deer hunter. I love the outdoors and everything around it, but I really want to get into the conservation side of things. So, um, the place I bought there had 40 acres on it, just a small track. And, um, I started doing food plots and habitat improvements and, um, you know, just kind of trial learning trial and error and doing a lot of research and trying things and ended up being pretty good at it, I guess. And, or things would work out cause we'd, we'd grow pretty good crops, even with through drought conditions. And, you know, as soon as you start doing that kind of work, everything that can go wrong goes wrong as far as weather goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing really works with you. It's, you know, you're lucky if you get the timely rains and things. And so started doing that for a few years and had some success with it and then um, started investing in more equipment to do those things and felt that at that point I could branch out and actually make it like a, like almost like a side hustle, side company that I could do on my free time, you know, and help pay for some of that equipment. And I didn't know if there would be a big need up there um, because it's not as known as it is in the Midwest and the South. Um, but fairly quickly I got booked up and, and I realized that just this little part-time thing, there's really nothing part-time about it. Once you start doing it, it's really a full-time job and it can be, um, pretty overwhelming, just taking care of your own stuff, much less other people's. Um, but, I but I love it. I love doing it. And when we moved down South, um, you know, I, I continued doing it. We're starting to do it down here. And then I had my place in Oklahoma that I'd always travel to and, you know, prepare it. So it is a lot to do traveling multiple States, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, that's kind of where we're at, but we're a lot closer to Oklahoma now to manage our own farm. Um, so that's, that's a lot nicer.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah I- I was laughing a little bit to myself when you got started there, because you you have that thick uh, North Dakota accent now, but you sure pronounce Durant like a local. <laughs> yeah, I'll never I'll never mess that up. And if,
1: whenever I go up north, nobody could understand what I was saying, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and still they're like, "Are you from the south?" And then when I come back home, um, I I get called some names, um, <laughs> made fun of, you know, because I had that northern accent. So hopefully I'll get rid of that soon. Yep. I had a similar
0: thing. I I went to school in Idaho, went to college at the university of Idaho. And uh, yeah, I had a a very similar situation up there. Everybody just immediately was like, where are you from? So Mm
1: -hmm. yep. mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Uh,
1: Well, cool, man. Well,
0: well, you talked a little bit about uh, this company that you got rolling and uh, I I do want to get into some kind of specific habitat things, but uh, let's talk about your company just a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about it. Um, you know, maybe some of the services you offer, some of the places you service and uh, just a little bit of a about Habitat Solutions.
1: So Habitat Solutions, I'll I'll kind of touch on the stuff up north, um, kind of how I started it with, you know, I'd meet with a client. I'd like to talk to them, uh, you know, about their needs and what they're looking for. And um. I never go into anything um, as a know-it-all or, you know, I have the answers for everything because I feel like if we're all being honest, we're all learning something every day. And, you know, all I can do is um, take the knowledge that I have from what I've done and, and apply that. And people were very, re- you know, receptive to that and they liked that, that approach. And I always wanted kind of to work myself out of a job. If that makes sense, um, because I like I like habitat improvement, you know, not just to to make a buck off of it, but I would like to see more people doing it, and um, and so you know I'd meet with the customer, ask them what their needs were, look at their property. Most of the properties that I looked at were smaller, and people felt like, well, there's not much I can do here; it's a small piece. And you know, I think it's the exact opposite. You know, um, it's not really about the size of the ground; it's about what you do. And what you can control within your place um, and so you talk to people figure it out and then I would always have them be a part of it and so like each year it seemed like they would take a portion of it whether it be like the tillage part or it would be the fertilizing of the ground or getting into the planting you know buying some equipment teaching them how to do it um, one of the things I realized when we started doing it was there's a few things that, you know, keep people from doing it. One, one is the equipment, you know, or the know-how and time is a big thing. And then what I found out is a lot of people were scared to do things, you know, not knowing how to do it and, you know, just kind of stay away from it. But it was nice because we'd work ourselves out of a job, And in three to four or five years working with a client, they were doing all their own stuff, which was fine with us because we'd move on to another person. But, um, you know, and seeing the benefits and the rewards on those places, um, you know, that was pretty awesome to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's great, man. That's a that's an awesome attitude to have, you know, like really working for the greater good, not just yourself. Um, That's something you don't see don't necessarily see that all the time. So that's a great attitude.
1: Yeah. And then since we've, um, you know, I haven't really done anything for anybody in Oklahoma per se, because, um, you know, we weren't really established down here yet. And, but a lot of people have followed what we're doing with our Oklahoma ground and the success that we've had. And so, and then same thing in Texas, being newer to Texas We've mainly just been doing like land um, consults and visiting and talking to people, you know, about, you know, giving them our ideas, you know, of what to do, what you could do to improve this. Just kind of a layout, blind placements, things that you could plant. You know, I like to stress the the pulling power of, you know, f- food plots um, and fall plots and then all the things. And. You know, there's up north in North Dakota, they've basically been, I call it, I never call it baiting, I call it supplemental feeding, because I like to do those types of things year-round, um, not necessarily to hunt over feeders, but to give them nutrition year-round, and, and they've slowly been shutting that down in North Dakota, zone by zone, and uh, so coming down in the south, you know, Oklahoma and Texas is real big on it. Mm-hmm. And I like to talk to people about, you know, they talk about baiting their stations and stuff like that. Just kind of a uh, turning that language around to more of a supplemental feeding and while we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are like, you know, I'm hunting these deer. I got pictures of them at night over my cameras. And I talk about, you know, I don't necessarily hunt over feeders. I won't, I will not hunt over one if I feel like there's an opportunity. But just the pulling power and the benefits of food plots, um, really pushing that and what you can do with the property is um it's really unreal.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm getting to see that a little bit myself. Um, so I like a lot of Oklahomans, you know, Oklahoma does have a decent amount of farm ground, but a big portion of the southeastern is cattle ground. You know, it's more it's still ag, but it's cattle and not farm ground. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and my family's the same way. That's something I have to to fight. And so I've never really gotten to do much of a spring plot. One, we were always super busy on the ranch, and two, I just like at some point during the year the cows were going to get into it and ruin it. Um, But this year, my brother and I, you know, did a little bit of fencing and we kind of got things squared away. And and this year, I really had my first honest to goodness, successful spring plot. I did three soybean plots ranging from acre and a half up to three acres. And yep. uh and kind of like you were just saying, like the the amount of deer and the amount of bucks I have after adding that plot where I've always had a feed, feeder. There's always been a feeder there and the feeder is mm-hmm. still there. But adding that plot like I have more mature bucks around our place than I've ever had before this time of year.
1: Correct. Correct. And, um, some of the things that we've seen on our Oklahoma place, um, you know, all that we've killed, um, we've killed two out of the last four years, we've killed two deer that were the 160 range Mm -hmm. and big, mature, older deer. And what we noticed is those deer, they do come to feeders, um, at night. You know, I feel like some of those smarter deer become nocturnal with those things. Mm-hmm. and they wouldn't ever come to any of those at any time that you could hunt them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we killed those deer, we actually killed them in like times that you wouldn't imagine, like early in the evening on a food source. Um, they walk right by a feeder and put their head down in that winter wheat field or their brassicas, depending on what you're planting Um, you know, we wouldn't have killed those two deer if it wouldn't have been for that food source, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, so it's just proof, you know, more proof of how that goes. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this because, uh, I know you were raised in Oklahoma and and a lot of people listen to this were, and it's when you grow up using feeders or bait, you know, of any kind it's very hard to break that habit. It's very hard to get away from it because you're used to seeing deer there and you're used to getting the pictures there and stuff. Do you Mm -hmm. still, do you still have feeders and pretty much all of your food plots or do you try to separate, separate, excuse me, separate those two?
1: You know, we do, we do have feeders, um, typically like on the edge of a food source. Mm um, we don't necessarily put them we mainly bow hunt um so any of our feeders um not all of them but most of them you could would be out of range for a bow anyways right Mm. and so we're hunting over the food source um what that feeder does do is the does we'll notice you know let's just talk about you know uh late fall setting in the evening we'll have you know, let's say 10 to 12 does come out, they all kind of hit the feeder and around the feeder, they check it. Um, Those bucks, the mature bucks never really go to the feeder. Mm -hmm. Um, They're messing with the does or they got their head down eating, browsing what we planted. And we notice those things. So, you know, and you can talk to somebody else and they're going to, you know other people have killed a lot of mature deer on feeders Mm -hmm. i feel like the thing with the feeders like i said i like to supplemental feed i think it's an important thing to do um but i feel like everybody feels like they got to compete with their neighbors Mm -hmm. i think some people maybe wouldn't um, rely on a feeder as much but they know the neighbors are throwing it at them you know you hear those things. So I, well, I got to do what they're doing, you know? Yeah. So, and that could be that could, we could talk two or three hours about, you know, uh, what, what, if you're worrying about your neighbors, how that affects you and your place, mm. you know?
0: <laughs> I, I might need to hear that talk sometime because it's been affecting me just a little bit as of late. Um One of our neighbors, it was a big, Uh, 400 acre place and it recently sold and it has been chopped up into 10 40 acre places and so in my mind Mm -hmm. I'm like oh man you know more pressure more people all that stuff Um, and so I've shifted how I think about our place a little bit because we don't have that much cover on our place again cattle farm uh, the previous owner completely clear-cut the entire property in 2008 and so we're still kind of trying to regrow some of that timber and everything. So my focus has always been on food uh, because I never had that much pressure from neighbors. And so I didn't mind if they kind of had the cover and I had the food, but now I feel like I'm having to transition a little bit because I want, now I don't want those deer going to the neighbors. And so I've been kind of shifting my focus to like, all right, I need some high quality cover and food in areas to where the deer are going to stay on me. And so, um, I don't know. Curious to, to hear your thoughts on that. Or, uh, you know, you mentioned maybe you don't need to worry about your neighbors and things you can do. So I'll, I'll open the floor you to know. you. And let, 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 well, let. there's
1: so many things I'll try to keep it, not go down the rabbit hole too much. Mm-hmm. Um, neighbors, you know, I think it's important to try to work with neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's best if we all get along, I think in the perfect world, you could talk to your neighbors, talk about kind of your management goals, see, what they're, see if things align. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've found is that a lot of times you talk about that and, you know, folks tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And um, then, you know, you start sharing pictures like, you know, hey, this is a good three-year-old or four-year-old that we're we passed. You know, we'd like to see what he turns into at five or six or seven. Mm -hmm. and they also agree, and then three days later, you see a picture of that deer posted on Facebook. (laughs) You know, things like that. It can be frustrating. Um, I think it's with anything in life. um, You can't, you just kind of got to step back from the things that you can't control, and, you know, you just kind of got to accept that you're not going to control your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And they have every right to do what they want to do, um, and people are just kind of kind of do what they're going to do anyways, or the heat of the moment. You know, I think we're all guilty of that with deer hunting. Yeah. Um, so, I think I'm trying to let that go so I don't get upset. You know, because when you're you're in, investing all this time and money and in a place, and you're trying to get animals to at a mature level and they get taken, you know, it's just kind of like, man, you know, that sucks. But in the big picture, there's nothing you can really do. You know, you can control your side of the fence. And with that mindset, you know, I just don't really worry about what they're doing. And I think about, you know, what can I do that's going to benefit me based on maybe some of the things that they do? Mm-hmm. And so maybe maybe they overhunt their place, or they overpressure it, um, or they're just running so many feeders, it's crazy. You know, maybe maybe you do less of that, and you focus on a different food source, like the food plots, things that you can do, um, not overpressure in your place. So when those deer feel pressured, they're on you. Um, I know during the rut that can all change. It just depends on where there's a hot dough but, you know, just kind of take the cards that you're dealt and work with what you have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's you know, instead of, instead of getting frustrated because, you know, it just kind of takes away from the whole point of everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know? I, I agree. I agree. All so, right. yeah,
1: that's my take on some of that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, this just kind of popped in my head. I'd like to take you through a little little exercise, if you will. Um yeah. So let's say somebody calls you up and uh, we'll just kind of use that southeastern Oklahoma area that you're familiar with. And uh, this client calls you, let's say they got, you know, 40 to 100 acres somewhere in there. It's your typical kind of, you know, slightly hilled gaps of timber, gaps of open cattle pasture type stuff. Um, I basically want to hear kind of like your consulting advice. Uh, And obviously we don't have a particular thing, so it's going to be fairly vague, but. Um, you know, when you step foot on that property, what are a couple of your priorities that are like, all right, we need to get this, this, and this going.
1: You know, the first thing is being in that area. I want to know if there's going to be cattle on that place. Um, you know, there's that, that plays an important part. I know, I know cattle and deer are together. They can be together. I also know that cattle can run deer off during a certain time. Um. You know, some people um, kill big deer on place with cattle. You know, I see it every year. Um, I want to know what the pressure is, not just from, you know, us, but from livestock. That's important to me um, because that's going to, you know, tell me something about the sanctuary areas, if there are any Mm -hmm. um, where deer might want to be. Um, Another big thing is access. And I like to look at everything on an aerial and I like to see what the neighbors have and what's surrounding that. Kind of look at a big picture. Um, see if there's any rivers anywhere close. Um, things like that. Um, you know, and then but I mean access is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And and if we're gonna be if they're able to actually do food plots and things like that, it's you know, it's just super important, not so much how you can get in them, but how you get out of them. Um, the way we're set up on our place is, you know, sometimes I'm forced to hunt alone. Sometimes, I, you know, I have some there with me. I never, if someone's around, I never get out of a stand. I always have someone pick me up in like a ranger or four wheeler or something, leave it running, come by, pick me up. And we drive out um, because access and not showing them how you're coming and going and what you're doing is super super important. I think it's really overlooked mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you
0: no no that's a, a a really big deal for me uh for sure um one thing that I tried to do this year and it just did not grow for whatever reason I tried to plant some screens this year with switch switchgrass, and mm-hmm. worked the dirt and everything thought I had it perfect spread the seed at a good rate. Uh, drug it a little bit, and I don't know if I just got the seed a little too deep or what happened, but basically nothing grew, and so I was really banking on that, and so now I have all these spots that I had to kind of set up ready to go, but the screens that I was counting on are no longer there, and so that's something mm-hmm. that I've been having to battle with is uh, my access is just not near as good as I was expecting it to be
1: right or you know and if you don't have that access what i talked about as far as someone get you in and out um you know that's your other option that's actually worked very well with the for us mm. gotcha you'll notice um if you really pay attention if they're used to like a tractor driving around or they're used to that ranger or that four-wheeler driving around there's a difference whether you walk in or walk out of a field versus if that ranger, that ranger literally pulls up in the evening and you're getting down out of a blind getting in. And a lot of times the deer, if they don't run off the plot, sometimes they don't even run off the plot. If it's dark enough, um, they run to the edge and then you leave and they come back out. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's just a different way that's worked out. You know, if you don't have the ideal access,
0: yeah. All right, all right. I got. I got another question. Still using the same scenario. You know, forty hundred acres, new property, and yeah. everything. Um, again, a large majority of Oklahoma's cattle country, like we talked about, and um, uh, when it comes to planting food, I, I hear people ask, like, you know, kind of the big hunting celebrity people all the time, like you know, what should my ratio be? Like, what should, you know, how many acres of food should I have for, you know, every 10 acres of land or whatever like that? Um, and, you know, of course the answer is always, it depends, you know, it depends on your neighbors and, and this and that. But like I said, here kind of in Oklahoma, where the majority of it is cattle country and you don't have many soybeans, corn, Milo, wheat, whatever. Um, do you feel like you need more food? or are the deer there used to just surviving on like woody brows and acorns and that natural stuff, or, or, or in your mind, or do you need to put the food there for them?
1: I think putting the, I think they're going to survive, you know, for the most part. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, What I've seen is I know what browse pressure looks like. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that late season, like, hunting in the blind in December over a winter wheat field. We've counted over 70 deer with 15 of those being nice bucks. And you put that many head grazing, you know, they're coming in there every night. They can wipe a pretty good size field out pretty quick. I don't, if you're just talking about that area of southeastern Oklahoma, I don't think you could plant enough in my opinion. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. And that spurs another question. I don't don't know if I want to, we should probably keep talking about the food thing, but you mentioned the numbers and attracting all these deer. That's Mm -hmm. something that I've also kind of started to have to deal with, which I'm not used to. Um, our place, just kind of the way it sets up, we've never had a very high deer density. And so, we normally take a few does every year, but that's not something I've ever really felt like I needed to focus on. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, last year I started no- noticing the numbers climbing up. And I think this year with all the food that I've had this spring and what I plan to put in this fall, you know, Lord willing, we get some rain and I can grow something. Uh, I do think that's something that I need to start concerning myself with. So, as far as harvesting does kind of what's your theory on that uh I remember it's been it's been probably a decade now uh almost when we first got our place we had uh this guy out from a, a state agency which I'll I won't name um but like before he even stepped foot on our property he didn't ask a single question about buck to doe ratio or pictures or anything like that he just blanket statement told me that we need to kill four does for every one buck is uh-huh. You know, to me, I feel like it's not that simple, but I do know harvesting does is a very important part. So I guess I'm just asking, you know, when you start getting these numbers and you start doing this work and, and having more deer, uh, what's your opinion on controlling does? Um,
1: just from what I've
0: seen and and this, you know,
1: honestly, this, this answer would vary mm-hmm. um, before last season, I would tell you that I'd like to see, a one-to-one or a two-to-one you know two does for a buck mm-hmm. kind of numbers I know that we have way too many does mm-hmm. um, you know but like I think something you know nobody has said for sure but I think with the the, the drought conditions that we experienced last summer in southeastern Oklahoma and the that previous winter was you know pretty hard on the wildlife i think that we lost a lot of mature animals bucks Mm -hmm. and does i think that we might have had a little bit of ehd um Mm -hmm. that really hasn't been talked about what i do know is that we had less mature does last fall we just didn't see them like we did before and we were really hurting with mature bucks Hmm. you know where did they go Um, the reason i say that is because we experienced this up in north dakota a couple years ago and it hits you know it hit a lot of our mature animals and a lot of mature does they just disappeared within like two weeks of opener everything was fine and then the numbers were gone And people started finding dead deer all over. Now, if you get in in southeastern Oklahoma, you know a dead deer doesn't last very long. You know, with the buzzards and the predators, they get ate up pretty quick. I don't know if it was ever confirmed that we had any of that, but I would say something happened. Um, We didn't personally find any dead deer on our place, but they they were pretty non-existent last year. What were you seeing?
0: You know, I was just thinking through my mind uh, as you were talking there. Um, I can't think of any mature bucks that, you know, I would say went missing. Um, I will say we have a, like this, this current year, I have several stud, like three and four-year-old deer, um, but I am lacking in mature bucks that I, I normally, you know, the older mature bucks that I would normally mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, I right. do know of one buck that's old that he's been around you know for the last five years um he's eight and a half this year i believe um and i'll be honest i just i don't know if i have paid close enough attention to does to be able to answer that question on them um i will say one thing that i have talked about for probably the last two or three years is i do think that cwd is more rampant in oklahoma than what most people think. Uh, I know we just had our first confirmed case or two, two cases now uh, in the last couple months. months. Um, I think it's been much more widespread than that. I just don't think we were testing for it and that's why it wasn't more known about um, mm-hmm. now, whether that's causing anything, I don't know. And again, that's just kind of me and my calculations. Um, but it is interesting. I, I feel like I haven't heard much on EHD. I feel like that's something that people down here just don't really talk about much because from, from my understanding is we used to have it real bad down here and the deer have kind of become immune to it. Um, but maybe it's been long enough that it's creeping back in.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things you're experiencing, you know, a severe drought and Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to act like one, but I believe it's like a, it's either a gnat or a fly, Mm -hmm. something like that gets in this stagnant water and they catch it that way um that's what happened in north dakota it was one of the worst droughts that we had seen and we thought everything was going to make it through it and then then it got them you know and so it's pretty crazy so you know my answer varies on the dose. i think that you need to have a balance um i think there's way too many people that just want to hunt bucks and and you know it's just kind of what they want to shoot they want to shoot a buck whether it's a small buck or a big buck um, I think shooting those does, um, it doesn't happen as much as it should, mm-hmm. but I think you need to have a balance, you know, with anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, what about fire? I think fire is something that I think pretty much everybody agrees that it's a good thing. I think everybody thinks it's a good tool, but most people, including myself are scared of it. You know, we just we all grew up with Smokey the Bear. We're all, you yeah. know, we, see, we saw what just happened in Hawaii, these massive wildfires. Um, yeah, We've done some burning on our place. I actually cleared a really nice fire break uh, this spring. I was going to do, uh, I think it measured out to about 30 acres that I was planning to burn this spring and just my schedule and the weather never aligned. You know, we had a lot of early spring rains and uh, every time it would get dry, I'd be busy. So I never actually got it burned, but is that something that you recommend for most people?
1: Yes. Um, you know, I think fire, I love fire. Um it is it is um, I guess stressful, can be. The um we we burnt our whole place off this spring, and yes, it was a challenge. Um luckily, you know, the the fall before after season and stuff, I started working on some fire breaks and getting that stuff kind of ready and then come spring when i wanted to burn um you know it wouldn't quit raining right mm-hmm. um it just it was always something the wind wasn't right or the conditions weren't right or it was too wet and we i was actually getting pretty nervous that we were we were going to miss out um because i was actually hiring a guy to do it the year before but we just he ran out of time so So I had some friends of mine and um, we all met up and the conditions were right. I had my fire breaks in and we were able within um, three days in different wind conditions, different conditions were able to burn the whole place off. Mm. And we didn't get um, the open countryside of everything burnt really well. The timber, I would say it was about 60% good burn. It burned, but it, you know, a lot of the deadfall was already, it just wasn't, we were a little bit late on the hardwoods, but overall, just what I've seen with the, the growth um, from that, it is, yeah, it's super important, you know, you know, there's a few things. It's just what it gives back to the wildlife of everything new that's growing in your woods, getting rid of all that leaf matter, the deadfall. And the other thing is, um, you know, you don't want that unwanted fire that you don't plan for to just annihilate everything, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think, you know, in our area, I think about every three to four years, burning off your place. And honestly, in the perfect world, if you could set it up and break your place up into different sections, And just try to burn a section off each year instead of burning the whole place. Mm -hmm. Then it's not so overwhelming or such a daunting task. You don't have to, you know, stress out about getting it all done. You can just, this year I'll do this spot, next year I'll do this spot. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to get on. Um, I kind of broke our place up into three different quadrants, and I was trying to get yep. to where basically every year you burn one and kind of keep that nice rotation going. Um, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, I you know, same thing here. Just trying to get the weather and everything to line up at once just could be pretty difficult down here.
1: It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. When uh, when you don't want rain, you get it, but exactly. we'll never. Com- we try not to complain about that. Yeah. So. Yeah
0: you have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let bravado wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado wireless, the power of connection. I right, I got another question for you, um, and this is something that, you know, part like having this podcast in Oklahoma. One thing that I have to be kind of careful of is doing blanket statements because this state is just so diverse and so different. And so uh-huh. I was gonna, I want to ask you about water and, and like providing water for for deer and again you know western oklahoma i think that's a whole different ball game like water is just way more scarce out there i think if you can provide water you're definitely going to be doing yourself some good when it comes to uh-huh. eastern oklahoma and on a typical year which this year nece- necessarily hasn't been typical with rainfall but do you think it is necessary to provide water or do you think we get enough natural water and when i say provide water i'm talking about you know burying a little kiddie pool in the ground or, you know, I think Banks Blinds makes the little water deal that holds like 100 gallons or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that stuff is is necessary or helps? Is that something you do? I um, I'm pretty fortunate that I have um,
1: spring fed creeks on my Mm -hmm. place Mm -hmm. and it's in a pond that we put in, but those creeks provide nice, good, clean water year round. I think if you're lacking water, I think water for pulling power, if you're talking about almost like having a feeder, I think it's super important. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's one of those things that you kind of got to stay on top of. Yeah. Um, You know, if you don't have a water source, absolutely. I believe in it. Um, I think that if you have natural creeks or water and holes that, you know, the animals are using daily, um, it's, I'm not ever going to say no to another water source, but it's not really necessarily needed unless you're wanting it in a particular place. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Let's say you are a place where it's a little bit more scarce. Um, you you mentioned Mm -hmm. the the pulling power and, and I agree. Uh, and I remember last year when we were real, real dry, um, there was this one pool that I knew was pretty close to where my target buck bedded. And I was having a little bit of a of an inner battle with myself of whether I wanted to actually hunt it or not, um, because it was, you know, a, a limited water year. And uh-huh. I just felt like by me putting pressure on it, maybe I was spooking deer off and making them go even further away for water or anything like that. But I don't know. I I guess I'm just curious what you think. If you had, if, if you were in that situation, would you hunt it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll maybe, you know, I maybe wouldn't necessarily hunt right over it, Mm -hmm. but if you could, if you could figure out, you know, like the travel area where they're coming to and from Mm -hmm. and hunt off that, Mm -hmm. And maybe not right off of it. You know, it's really just going to depend on that scenario and that setup. Mm -hmm. But yes, or if that, on a year like that, maybe you push in closer. Um, And, you know, the times that I have used water, you know, I did it up in North Dakota. um, I would just get like those black big tubs. Mm -hmm. Um, They were, you know, plastic or a rubber tub. And I would just bury them in the ground, but leave a, you know, lip them up a little bit. And I'd try to put them in areas where they would get some natural runoff. Mm -hmm. So if you did get rain, they'd kind of fill up. Um, And then I would just keep that water full. And the deer, the deer used it. You know, they, they absolutely came in. Um, I could send you some videos that I have um, from up in North Dakota on some of the I mean, just really mature deer
0: Hmm.
1: using it like no problem. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time and we're kind of coming up on it, but uh, I do have uh, one, at least one last question. We'll see. may have a follow-up, but uh, I want to ask you what I would consider maybe the most annoying question there is out there, but one that is probably the most asked question out there. We're coming up on fall. Deer season's right around the corner. What should I plant in my food plot?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> my answer is always winter wheat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing with Oklahoma, I'll just if I'll talk about you know last year. You know, I'll I'll follow some of the on Facebook some of the food. There's a food plot Facebook page on there, and I follow mm-hmm. that and try to help guys as I can. And, you know, I'm watching everybody talking about, you know, cause we like to plant around, you know, September 10th, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, we like to put that fall food plot in the ground, um, depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. And it was so hot and dry last year. And so you're always kind of looking at that date. And then we were actually had pretty good chances of rain forecasted mid September, right about the time you'd plant and what i was watching is i didn't really necessarily look at that but i look at the the pattern of the weather and it looked like we were just going to get some rain chances for once but the pattern wasn't really going to change um so we elected to not plant and i would say a lot of guys in our area put seed in the ground because they seen the rain coming right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh what we've seen while we chose not to is we didn't see a pattern change. So we figured, you know, to me, the worst thing you can do is plant during that time, catch a rain and that seed come up and then you don't catch another rain and it continues to stay hot. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And everybody's stuff burned up. Last year was the latest I've ever planted a plot. I believe we got all of our seed in the ground. I think it was October 11th mm-hmm. or the 10th and, you know, super late. Right. Yeah. And, but our plots, you know, the pattern changed, the temperatures finally were better. We started getting some, some more, um, more rains, timely rains and our plots turned out. I mean, they were beautiful all mm-hmm. winter and fall and into the spring, Yeah, you know? So, uh, you know, I tell people winter wheat, um, you know, and I, you know, I had some oats in there and uh, some other things, you know, I put different things in, in the perfect world to get, you know, radishes are overlooked, um, radishes early or hit really hard. Um, there's different things, um, but you really got to watch the weather patterns and then you got to watch out for them army worms. Yeah. Yeah. So, So if we plant and we know it's staying hot, um, I don't even check the fields anymore. I just go ahead and spray for them. If Mm -hmm. there's a chance for it, because I've had a replant once and I never want to do that. Let the (laughs) armyworms get me. I don't know if you've had them get you before, but it's just horrible. I've
0: never really had them in my food plots, but we've had them in our pastures, which is, you know, a much bigger deal, especially to my dad and brother. Um, So, yeah, yeah, we've been we've been running the sprayer around the clock before. So
1: it was uh, it was it was sickening because Mm -hmm. the plots came up. They're green and lush and beautiful. You go back two days later and it looks like everything was sprayed with Roundup. Yeah. And um, that's how fast they'll get you. Yeah. So we don't even mess with them anymore. If we think there's a chance, we go ahead and spray because the spray that we use has a residual mm-hmm. that will stay on there until it kind of gets cool, and you ain't got to worry about them anymore. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay.
0: I well, I'm glad you covered it because I was going to ask about dates too because that's something that I always struggle with. Um, I've I normally err on the side of caution. I I typically plant mine a little later than most people do just because I do want that. You know, cooler weather and the rain and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do have a buck that I've been after the buck I mentioned earlier that I've been after for so long that uh, looking for any way and excuse to try to kill him. So I have thought about planting a little earlier this year just to get something you know coming up. Um, but uh, yeah. So I was just curious about that.
1: Something else I'll add. Yeah. Um, you know, with the with you know, with the winter wheat, man, it's just it's really good and it's easy to grow and what i like with it is what we noticed on our place is we're never discouraged if we don't have bucks on us in the spring and during the summer because what we found is we do have does, and during that rut period um, a lot of these bucks show up you know you call them a bonus buck you never seen them before Maybe you didn't get to see them while you're hunting, but you got pictures of them like, you know, this is a good deer. Where did it come from? And then it's gone. What we noticed with our place and having that late season food source is if those bucks aren't killed, they end up showing up Mm -hmm. in December and they live on our place until spring. We pick up their sheds. And then what we found is some of those bucks stay yeah and you know it's almost like they're running through the place looking for a doe they're like hey this is this is i'm gonna have to remember this and they come back (laughs) yeah you know you got to believe that's what it is Mm -hmm. um it's just something that we've noticed so we're we're pretty patient like if if you're not getting the right deer the deer that we want to kill or something that we want to hunt we know that late season can be you know when most people aren't even hunting anymore um it, we've had a lot of success.
0: Yeah, same here. I I love late season. I actually just put a uh, <clears throat> a deal out on my Instagram. It was like a, one of those polls. And I said, would you rather hunt the first week of the season or the last week of the season? And it was about 75% of people said they'd rather hunt the first week. And man, I'm all about that last week. I, I would much rather hunt when it's nice and cold and deer are patternable on that late season food than when it's hot deer may be shifting acorns may be falling they may not and so yeah i'm all about the late season
1: absolutely me too yeah yeah it's almost become um it's i would say it's my favorite time to hunt Mm -hmm. our particular place the way we plant things um the other time that i like to hunt is between muzzleloader and rifle yeah um that's that's pretty good if the weather's right Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah and it's crazy too i'll throw this out there um so we we sold a place just two or three years ago and and have the place we have now and i'd hunted that other place for seven or eight years kind of had it you know figured out pretty well and like that last week of october you know everybody in the midwest would be going nuts and saying how that's their favorite time and i never had any luck like i never had any luck till really like Um, mid-November. That's kind of when the cameras would start lighting up. And it just seemed like it it was a little bit behind. So we sold that place and had the one we have now. And they're only 30 miles apart. There's a 30-mile difference from where our old place is the new place. And Mm -hmm. now that last weekend of October, like I normally take a day off work, like I will be in the woods that last weekend of October because our place just lights up. And so I think people have to realize it can be a little different, you know, just because so-and-so says this day on the internet doesn't necessarily mean that that day is going to work for you. So you got to keep up with those trail cameras, pay attention to what you're seeing, pay attention to what you're seeing with your eyes and and remember that because that historical data will kill a lot of bucks for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you said historical data. Um, You know, there's so many gadgets out there now. um, I don't want to knock them too bad. But um, I've tried them, you know, the types that say, this is the best, this is the day you need to be in Mm -hmm. the stand. And then it says, this is a poor day. Um, You know, I lost faith in those when I killed deer, really good deer on the poor days. Um, I'm not saying they're not onto something absolutely on an average. um, But I think if you get into looking at an app telling you when you need to be in the woods. Um, I feel like you're missing the whole point, um, of all of it. You know, yeah. if, if there's an opportunity, you know, take it, um, yeah. you know, there's always a chance.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, before I let you go, I want to make sure people can find you. So if somebody listened to this and they want to follow you along on Instagram or, or maybe look up your services, where should they go?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're on Instagram at, um, habitat solutions i'll probably try to send you a link or something to it because there's okay. if you look up habitat solutions on the instagram i think there's probably like six of them mm-hmm. um so it's kind of the same name i'm not sure how that happens but <laughs> and then we're also on facebook and then um something else that we you know i'm sure you noticed we we started carrying and selling blinds uh-huh. you know um are you familiar with titan blinds I am so we used to carry banks blinds
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and I, I won't tell you why we don't anymore but we <laughs> just don't um, what I really like is with Titan blinds they're they're all one piece and they work really good whether you're up in the north or the south is because with this type of blind um, you know how when you get in your deer blinds and Early season, they're full of wasp and flies mm-hmm. and all that. We don't have that problem with these blinds. I don't know how they're built. Um, which is I really like that. And they're built in Texas, you know, 100 percent of the blind, nothing's outsourced to any other country or anything like that. They build everything there, and I really like that. So, yeah. so that's why we started carrying those. And you know, it's one of the things is you know with the right clients, we'll set them up for them too and help mm-hmm. them out with that. Not just selling them. So nice. Yeah. nice. Okay. But yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation, had a great time with it. And uh, yeah, we may have to have you again sometime to talk about North Dakota and, and the crazy winds. So, <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate it and we will talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. Y'all be sure to check out Habitat Solutions. He runs a really good Instagram page. I really enjoy following it. Uh, Lots of good pictures on there and information along with it. So be sure to check that out. And guys, like I keep saying, season's right around the corner. Be sure you're prepared. Uh, I leave for Nebraska in like a week and a half, something like that, when this airs. And uh, so I've been shooting my bow a lot, been messing around with the saddle that Charles let me borrow. I have not spent near enough time in the saddle, have not spent near enough time shooting. So that is very much my focus for the next two weeks leading up to that trip. And uh, so, yeah, I need to get on it. Don't be like me, start shooting your stuff now. Get your gear dialed, get your stuff dialed because we're like, gosh, we're like 6 weeks away from from Oklahoma Opener. So, get it all dialed. Get out there, enjoy nature, and until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.